Welcome back to the Lash Business Lounge. I am your host, Lauren Lappin, and this is the place where we talk all things lash and beauty business related. Hello and welcome back to the Lash Business Lounge. My name's Lauren. Thank you for joining me once again. I think this is episode 72. I can't believe that I've recorded 71 podcasts before today. That's really, really crazy. But here we are and I'm going to be talking about why first impressions matter and the things that you need to do in your beauty business to make sure that the first impression a client has of you is a good one. There might be a few things that you do that you don't think about already that I'm going to cover today, but there might be a few that I'm going to talk about that you hadn't thought of before. I'm a crazy OCD clean freak. I worry too much about what other people think about everything. And I guess it's it's a double-edged sword. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing because It's a bad thing because I drive myself crazy and everyone around me crazy and I have all these unrealistic expectations of what things should be like, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, it's been really good. It served me well in my service-based business because I think about all these little details and I place high importance on them and that is why clients come to my salon. They have a good experience. They get a first a good first impression of my business and they keep coming back because we're consistent as well. So another thing, I mean, I've spoken about consistency before. Nearly everything in this world goes better for you if you're consistent with it. So, you know, having a a consistent level of customer service that you offer your clients in the salon across the team, across the week, you know, consistency on social media, consistency with working out, consistency with dieting, everything. If you're consistent, you know, you're going to see good results. But I digress and I will get back to first impressions. Now, this one might be a no-brainer for a lot of you, but I see this a lot and it grinds my gears. Uniforms. You need to look good at work. We are in the business of selling beauty. If we look like shit, do you think that that new client's going to trust you instantly? Even if they've seen, you know, you might have had a branding shoot or something like that and you've put photos of yourself and your team all over socials and you're looking glam and you've got your hair extensions in and you've got your lash extensions on, you've had your makeup done, wearing a blazer, you're looking all boss lady. You look like that on socials, but then they rock up to your salon and you're in a t-shirt and denim shorts or even worse, a singlet top and denim shorts or a mini skirt. Not good enough. I'm sorry, but if you want to be seen as a professional, you need to look the part. So number one, uniform. Have a uniform. It makes life so much easier. So, so much easier. If you don't have a team yet and you think, oh, it's not that important. I just wear whatever. I always look good. Rah, rah, rah. It is so much easier to have a uniform. It's going to save you decision fatigue every morning. You know, you know what it's like. You're deciding what to wear to work. 
I don't know about you, but I always take ages deciding what to wear. But having a uniform just takes that decision away. You can put something on without even thinking about it and you always look good. Now, if I had a dollar for every time I got a DM on Instagram asking me where I got my salon uniforms from, I'd be a very rich lady because I literally get this message every day, either on my salon account or my account. Where did you get your salon uniforms from? They look beautiful. You look so good. Your team looks so good. I have very high standards around the uniform. The uniforms need to be kept and worn in a pristine manner, you know, so I don't accept when people on my team come to work with creased uniforms, they either need to be steamed or ironed. You know, they can't be dirty. These are all things that I've dealt with in the past with previous team members. And it was then that I decided to develop a personal presentation policy. So if you don't have something like this in your business, you need to do it whether you have a team or not. Obviously, if you have a team, it's more it's a more pressing issue because It's going to take a lot of the awkwardness out of you having to have those difficult discussions with your team members about why they look like shit, why they keep turning up to work looking like shit. Now, I've had people on my team show up with dried food stuck to their uniform, rips, tears in their uniform, broken zippers. I've had people turn up that don't smell good, no makeup dirty hair, bad makeup as well is another one, and unclean hands. So if you have a policy in your business, in your policy and procedure manual that outlines what your expectations are for personal presentation, and also before I move forward on this, you need to set the example as well. So it's all well and good to have a policy, but if you're not following it yourself, how can you expect your team to? So write a policy, write a clear outline for what your expectations are and how, you know, uniforms need to be worn and how they're to be presented, what shoes they need to be wearing, what's acceptable, what's not, how hair hair is meant to be styled, what jewellery is to be worn, et cetera, et cetera. It might sound like I'm being excessive, but really if you don't give your team like a clear outline for what your expectations are, expect them to push the boundaries on this. I've had people rocking up with the wrong shoes on. I've had people that have come to work when I I was away on holidays in Ugg boots, you know. So if you don't lay the groundwork, they will push back. So you need to look good. All right. So all of that aside, even if you haven't got a team and you're just working from home or or whatever, or you're renting space somewhere, you're not in your own full commercial space yet, you need to look the part. When a client walks in, they see you in your beautiful uniform with your logo on it and you look good, instant trust. They know exactly who you are. They know that you work there. Bonus points, if you've got a beautiful uniform and you're walking around, you know, in your local area, you're actually promoting your business. 
And if you look good when you're walking around down the street and potential clients that maybe have seen you on Instagram or, you know, your other social media platforms, they instantly recognize you because you're in your uniform, you look good, you look professional, instant trust. She looks good, she's going to make me look good too. So uniform's a big one. If you don't have one, please consider getting one. All you need to buy is two and one can be in the wash and one can be on you. Even if you work six days a week, it's still pretty easy to manage that. So uniforms, it's not a big expense, but your return on investment there is massive. So also along the lines of appearance, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier when I spoke about having a personal presentation policy. You need to set a level of expectation about your appearance as well, aside from your uniform. So I make a big effort to show up with makeup on every day. Obviously, my lashes and brows need to look good. I've had clients and people question me in years gone by, how do you own a lash salon when you don't wear lash extensions? Now, Number one, for a really, really long time, I had no one to do my lashes for me. Um, I didn't have staff and there were no other techs around that, I'm sorry, there was no one good enough to do them. Like they weren't at the level of the work that I was producing at the time. There's a lot of great people around at the moment and a lot of them work in my salon. So I could easily have my lashes done, but I am a picker. I'm that bad client that rips their own lash extensions out. I, I pick up my eyelashes a lot. I pick up mascara and stuff like that. It's not the best habit. I do it autonomously, usually when I'm stressed. Uh, so I started doing this back in 2018 when my grandfather was very sick in hospital and he passed away. And I think I just couldn't shake the habit after that. So I don't get my lashes done for that reason. And also I don't do doing nothing very well. I don't do laying still on a bed with my eyes closed and, you know, staying still and not being able to multitask. You know, at least at the hairdressers, I can take my laptop and I can do some work. A lot of people love getting lash extensions because it is just, you know, 100% relaxation. But yeah, I just, I can't do it. And when it's in my own salon and I'm listening to everything that's going on around me, I can't relax. It's not enjoyable. So yeah, I don't have lash extensions for a couple of reasons. And I am very lucky to be blessed with long, dark, nice lashes anyway myself. So I I don't wear them, but I make sure that I get lash lifts. And if I haven't had a lash lift in a while, I make sure I curl my lashes every day. I use a lash serum as well. So I can easily sell this in my salon because I've got the results on my face. My brows always look good as well. They're always done. They're always filled in and, you know, they're always styled properly because this is what I'm promoting. I have a lash and brow salon. Those two things need to look good, but the rest of your face needs to look good as well. So even if you're not a big makeup wearer, it makes the biggest difference to your appearance. We're in the game of beauty. We're selling beauty. We're selling the idea that everyone can be beautiful. So you need to look the part. And when you don't put an effort in, 
to make yourself look presentable for your clients, they unconsciously lose trust in you. Oh, well, she hasn't put any makeup on and she hasn't got a uniform on. She looks pretty daggy, actually. She's wearing thongs. Now, if you're listening from the USA, thongs here in Australia are (laughs) flip-flops. So I just wanted to clarify that before we move on. But yeah, she's in thongs, flip-flops, whatever. She hasn't made an effort. I don't feel important. She doesn't see me as important enough to dress up for and present herself properly. So I don't feel important. And that client might subconsciously start to think about seeking out other service providers that are going to make them feel more important. So you not presenting yourself properly when you're in the beauty game, it says a lot about you, the level of service that you offer. This might sound harsh, but it's true. You need to look the part. So make sure your hair is done. It smells nice. You smell nice. Perfume's good. Nothing too overpowering though. When you're in a close proximity with clients all day, if you, you know, are spraying cheap, nasty perfume (laughs) that you might think smells all right, sometimes it can be overpowering for a lot of people. So, you know, just keep it light, but make sure you smell good. Hair done, makeup done. You know, obviously, if you're a skin therapist, your skin needs to look good. If you're a lash artist, your lashes need to look good, brows, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a nail artist, your nails need to look good. You know, even if you don't wear false nails and you're a nail artist, you need to have your nails manicured and neat. So don't have random colours because you were testing out something the other day and then you couldn't be bothered taking it off and, you know, you've still got the remnants of that leftover or you were letting one of your staff members doing nails on you but they didn't quite finish. So your nails need to look good. You are always promoting the product that you're selling. Moving on to your salon or treatment room. So cleanliness is massive. Your area needs to be clean and presented really well. There can't be any weird smells. Okay, so if you work from home, cooking smells, animal smells, kid smells, not nice, not nice for a client walking through the door. So your space, you need to ensure that there's adequate airflow. And if there isn't, you need to be probably using an oil diffuser or something like that, or burning soy candles or something that is going to have a really nice aroma to it. It's a nice idea because I believe branding is everything. If you have the same oil burning all the time or the same soy candle and What happens is your clients start to associate your business and your brand with that scent. So if you've always got the same one, it makes a lasting impression. It's a good impression and it's a lasting impression. So smells need to be good. There can't be clutter anywhere. You know, I believe that a messy house equals a messy mind or a messy salon or treatment area or whatever. It equals a messy mind. You can't be organised, you can't be focused on servicing your clients to the best of your ability if there's shit everywhere, right? So clean it up, put it away. If you don't have good storage solutions, invest in them now. Put things away. Keep it tidy, clean between clients. If you can't be bothered cleaning at the end of the day, hire someone that can. 
Your floors need to be done every day. Surfaces need to be wiped over every day. The last thing that you want your clients to be thinking is this is an unclean space. I don't feel comfortable here because I'm not sure if she's sanitizing her tools. I'm not sure if she's reusing things on me. I don't know. Trust drops. That level drops. As soon as that thought sneaks into someone's mind, it drops. I am crazy about the front door of my salon. If there is rubbish on the ground out the front of my salon, if there's weeds growing, the girls will see me walk up and then stop, start picking up rubbish and pulling weeds out of the pavers that are outside the salon door. If there are fingerprints on my front door or door handle, we have glass front doors with aluminium handles and aluminium frames, I'll walk straight into the salon, straight out the back and then straight back out the front with cleaning products and I'll be cleaning the front door. I mean, have a think about it. Would you eat at a restaurant that had filthy glass and door handles? No, I wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm Like I said, I'm a crazy person. But I think about, well, that's the level of cleanliness that's acceptable for this business owner at the front of their business. You know, the front facing bit that, you know, is meant to entice people in. What's their kitchen like? How often are they cleaning things and wiping things down in their kitchen? That's what I think about. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that has these type of thoughts, but you best bet your bottom dollar that if there is crap all over your front door or there's things stacked up outside or rubbish or weeds or, you know, they walk in and there's leaves on the, all over the floor or, you know, a stain on the carpet or whatever, it doesn't make the first impression good. They kind of go, oh, okay, do I take this place seriously or do I not? Is this an, a legitimate business? Is this a clean beauty salon with high standards? It's questionable. So cleanliness needs to be paramount. In your waiting area as well, when people sit down, they look at things. So you need to make sure your waiting area is clean. Now, what I do is I will go and sit in multiple places in my waiting area and just look around and see if I can notice anything. For example, I remember once before I had a policy about children in my salon, we don't allow children unsupervised in, in my salon anymore. It's a clear policy that's on my website and we send people away if they bring their children in. It's really tough, but it's something that we do. And, you know, we do have a nice calm environment in the salon um, and everyone's happy and able to relax now when there's no unsupervised young children in there. But that is another topic altogether. But I had someone bring in their kids and the mother just gave them some food to kind of keep them occupied. And anyway, they sat on my benches in the waiting area and unbeknownst to me, they dropped a heap of crumbs and then, you know, that little packets of biscuits or muesli bars or something. And then they scrunched up the wrapper and just dropped it behind the bench seat. And is it any wonder why I don't allow kids anymore? Um, but I couldn't see these standing up. So... Two days later, to my horror, I did my little waiting area test and actually 
can't remember what prompted me to sit down, but I sat down on one of my bench seats and I looked over and there were crumbs on the opposite bench seat on the other side of the room and these food wrappers underneath the seat that no one could see when they were standing up, but I could see them when I was sitting down. And I honestly, I felt the colour drain from my face. I was horrified. I wondered how many people had seen that and think that we don't clean our floors. When we do, it's part of our clothes protocol that, you know, everything's vacuumed, but obviously my team hadn't moved the seat and vacuumed underneath it. And again, setting clear expectations on, you know, in your policies. If you want things vacuumed underneath, you need to say, pick up seat, vacuum underneath, replace seat. You know, you need to lay it all out exactly how you want things done. Otherwise, they won't be done to your standard. And I'm fairly certain most of you are thinking I'm a crazy person for all of this. But honestly, everything flows a lot easier in your salon, especially if you have a team, if you have a policy and procedure guide that you can fall back on when things aren't done properly and you can say, well, this is the procedure for this thing. You haven't done it. Why hasn't it been done to my standard? I'm really sorry. I apologize. I should have read it. I've forgotten. I'll do it next time. And it saves a lot of awkward, difficult conversations with your team because there is a level of expectation there. Moving on to your trolley or your workstation. Now, my first beauty job, I had a very interesting boss and I learned a lot from her, a lot of things to definitely do in my own beauty business and a lot of things not to do. But I'll focus on one of the things that I learned to do. And I have run with this my whole entire professional life ever since, you know, 17 years And I've enforced this in my salon as well with my team. So your work area, your trolley needs to be clear, right? You do not want your client coming through to the treatment area or your bed or whatever and seeing crap all over the top of your trolley. It looks awful. Again, they're questioning if things are clean. Even if you've laid them out neatly, it still looks messy, it looks unprofessional. And if you want your first impressions to matter with your new clients or recurring clients, have a clean workstation. So have everything neatly put away and only when your client's on the bed or in the chair, you start getting the tools and products out that you need to be using for their service. Now, at the end of the service, and I'm going to use lashes as as the example here, I will be cleansing their lashes and drying them. And I will be putting everything away. Any tools that need to be sanitized, I'll wrap in a tissue or anything that I've used that needs to be washed and sanitized, I'll wrap in a tissue, but I'll put it away so that when my client gets up off the bed, it's a clean workspace again. You do not want scrunched up tissues, wet cotton pads, you know, your glue stone or, you know, whatever you've put your glue on, dirty glue rings or or whatever. You don't want your tweezers sitting out. It looks bad. So put it all away. Keep it clear. Clean as you go. You don't actually have to spend a lot of time putting things away at the end if you clean as you go, which normally that's what I do. And I'm just in the habit of it now. You know, when I worked in my first salon job ever, I was 
in a full service salon and, you know, every single time that I applied wax, wrapped the stick in a tissue, dipped the other end into the wax pot, applied that section, that stick would go straight into the bin. And then when I removed the wax, the wax would go straight into the bin. There was never a chance for my work area to become cluttered and messy because I was cleaning as I went. The last thing that your clients want to see is used wax sitting on the counter when they get up. It's gross. And same goes for eye patches with tint all over them or, you know, anything like that that's still sitting on your trolley when your client gets up off the bed. So keep things clean, put them away as you go or dispose of them as you go. These are all little things. I know these are little things, but they make a really big difference. Now, let's talk about your hands. If you do lashes and you don't wear gloves, I don't wear gloves to do lashes. I don't believe it's needed. We're not breaking the skin. We're not, we don't need to be sterile. It's not like you're doing tattooing or, you know, waxing or anything like that. With lashes, I don't wear gloves. Some people do whatever floats your boat, but it's not a sterile service that we're providing. I don't break the skin. I don't need to be sterile. I'm clean though. Obviously, you've probably worked out from listening to this episode that I am a clean person. Hands need to be washed between every client. Might be a bit of a no-brainer, but I've actually had this happen to me in my own salon, I'm embarrassed to say. I had my lashes filled back when I had lash extensions on by one of my previous team members. She doesn't work for me anymore. She'd just come off her lunch break and I think she'd eaten curry for lunch. And as soon as she put her hands on my face, I could smell that her hands smelt like curry. And that was not nice. I knew she hadn't washed her hands after eating. So same goes if you're a smoker. There's not a lot of smokers around anymore. Most people vape now, but you know, You don't want nicotine smell on your hands. You don't want any smell on your hands. You have your hands in very close proximity of your client's nose. They will be able to smell. So make sure your hands smell clean. They have no smell at all. They smell like sanitizer or soap or whatever. Don't have any smell whatsoever on your hands. It's a big thing. And it's, I believe that when clients are on the bed and they've got their eyes closed, their other senses are heightened. So they'll hear things, they'll notice things, they'll listen to things that they normally wouldn't be paying attention to, and they will smell things. And that's why clients jump a little bit sometimes if you touch them out of the blue when they've got their eyes closed because their senses are heightened. So smell is a big one, sound is another. You know, you don't want crazy bad conversations going on in your salon or, you know, if you're sick, you don't want to be sniffling the whole time, et cetera, et cetera. But Hands need to smell and just be clean in general. Bit of a no-brainer, but I thought that I would include that today because some of you may not have thought about it. Finally, your point of sale area, it needs to be clean and well-organized as well. You don't want to bring your clients and ask for payment to a desk at the end of their appointment that's got papers everywhere and things out and, you know, You are struggling to get into your till because you can't find the key and because it's under a heap of paper and you're not organized and it just looks bad. 
It needs to be well presented. You need to be organized. You need to make it easy for them to pay. You need to make it easy for them to buy product from you. You need to have your aftercare advice printed on a piece of paper or a pad or something like that that's within easy reach so you can give it to them. It just makes you look more professional and elevates the whole experience in your business. So don't have a messy desk. And if you don't have a pause area in your salon, I would recommend that you get one. It just removes a lot of the awkwardness around when you're asking for the sale at the end of the appointment. I found this with a lot of my one-on-one coaching clients over the years. You know, they might be working from home or they are renting a room somewhere and they have no point of sale area. They have no reception desk. They have nowhere to take payment. And it's like this awkward situation at the end of the appointment where they don't really know how to ask for the money. But it's very, very easy if you walk your client to a point of sale area and it's kind of like a no-brainer for them. You don't even really need to ask because they understand already what they are standing at that pause for. Hope that makes sense. Anyway, if you found this episode helpful, please leave me a rating and review. I'll be forever grateful. It takes 30 seconds. You can do it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'm not fussy. If you can leave a rating and review, tell me what you liked about this episode. Let me know what you found the most helpful or what you're going to implement in your business. I will be forever and ever grateful for that. I read all my reviews and they make me so happy when people take the time to do it. You know, putting this podcast out there into the world takes a lot of effort and thought and, you know, production and time and money. And, you know, to keep bringing this free content to you, I think that that's a small thing to ask just for a little rating or review. I would absolutely love it. Or share it on your stories. Let me know how you're listening and maybe someone in your audience would find this content helpful for them in their business as well. But that is all I've got for you today. I will see you online soon.